Hello, hello, and welcome to WoW Cruising Podcast Episode 1. I'm your host, Jed. We decided we didn't want to overtake our normal travel blog over at MilesGeek, so we decided to launch a dedicated podcast just for cruising. We had a lot to say about it, and we found that we had so many things we wanted to cover that we didn't want to overtake our daily travel blog into a cruise blog. So we thought we'd separate that out. Uh, We will still cover some basic cruising stories over there as it relates to our daily travel. But as far as our ongoing thoughts in relation to the cruise industry, we wanted to keep things separate. So with that said, uh, this podcast is going to kind of cover a little bit of everything about cruising, a lot of it being uh, you know, our thoughts and opinions on things, as well as current industry news, and of course, questions from you, the listener. Um, and I thought we'd talk first about the growth of the cruise industry. Um, and these podcasts are probably going to be somewhere between 8 and 15 minutes, just so you know, coming in. Uh, we're going to try to keep them relatively brief, unless we have a special interview or something like that. So let's talk about growth. Uh, the cruise industry has been growing by leaps and bounds, uh, which you know is good and bad. So let's talk about first where we're at today. There is a little over 300 ships currently classified as cruise ships and a little over half a million rooms for passengers to occupy. Uh, current cruise ships on order and seemingly growing by the week uh, is a little over 100 with another 250,000 plus rooms uh, being built. So that's a close to a 50% increase over the next number of years over what's currently sailing. And most of these ships are bigger than what are currently sailing today. And we don't see a lot of older ships being retired. Some of the really old ships are being uh, more often not sold to other cruise lines as they no longer kind of meet the needs of the, uh, we'll call them mainstream uh, cruise lines, although I don't want to be unfair to the uh, to the newer uh, cruise industry um, providers, but let, let's focus just on the growth here. So with this amount of new capacity, is there a place for it all? Well, let's let's dive in. So we're limited to the amount of ports or berths that these cruise ships can dock at, especially the larger ships are much more constrained in where they can go um, because they just occupy a ton of space. When you have a cruise ship that's you know, over 4,000 passengers, compared to what's traditionally been the norm for the last probably 5-10 years of around 2,000-2,500 passengers, you're limited not only by the size of the ship and where it can dock, but you've got to have the facilities to service that amount of people getting on and off the boat, both from just a local logistics standpoint to where are they all going to go, to that ship needs to often get fuel and supplies, and obviously that's been exponential uh, in the amount of increase when when you're growing the ship. So where did all these people end up when they get off the ship? Most people are taking arranged tours, whether through the boat or via private party. And we'll do a separate podcast that just talks about, you know, should you book through the boat, should you book on your own, and kind of the pros and cons. But let's just assume that a lot of people are getting off on going on tours, because that is generally what is happening. Uh, Certainly a certain amount of people will stay on the boat and kind of utilize that time to take advantage of low lines and amenities that the boat might have on offer with less crowds. Some people are going to just kind of walk from where they can in the port, and that's different depending on where you're docked. Some places is very industrial, or it might be a converted shipping dock that is now handling cruise passengers because the port area was already um, 
you know, change to allow boats of large sizes. So it makes sense sometimes that the cruise vessels go in there. Some you can walk right off, such as like Puerto Rico, and, and just walk right into town. Um, so when you can get right into the main town, uh, obviously that's a big advantage. You can do shopping and exploring kind of on your own and, and spend probably a lot of the time that you have without needing to spend money on a, on a tour with a boat or a third party. When you can't, uh, or maybe the, the, there's not a lot to see, you can often take a bus or a shuttle or a cab into the town. And we'll talk, again, we'll talk about some of those options um, you know, in the future on just what's worth doing. But most of the people are going to get on a range tour. And that is where you've got a large influx of people and only so many tour seats available. So definitely do, if you are intending to take a tour, don't wait until you're getting off the boat or you're even when you're on the boat. We really recommend planning ahead because you'd hate to have your heart set on swimming with the dolphins or turtles or exploring some old fort only to find out that the several hundred seats for that tour or whatever the size is, is already sold before you even got on the boat. You know, most people can book their cruise tours online, uh, you know, months before the boat even sails. And, you know, so we really advise trying to get get in on that if that's what you're intending to do. So let's talk about the pros and the cons. The downside is that there is, as mentioned, limited amount of space for all of these people to go. And sometimes you're going to see multiple boats being accommodated in these in these berths. So you, you may have 10,000 plus people, which is the population of a small town. So you definitely want to plan ahead. Now, is this good for the economy? Um, it's a mixed bag. I think you'll find the cruise lines are, are going to take the stance that it's it's helping with local tourism. Uh, Puerto Rico, it's helping with recovery is what you're going to hear the cruise lines saying. Um, and and that is true in some sense. You know, if you look at it from an economic perspective, um, there is probably going to be this trickle-down type of thinking where the tour operators are obviously employing local tour guides, food suppliers, things of that nature. Those people live in the community. They're spending their money in that community. But certainly, it's not like you have 10,000 people getting off and spending a ton of money in the community. You know, they're not going to probably the non-tourist type shops. You know, most people aren't going to be venturing into the local village um, and buying things there um, or exchanging in trade with local handicraftsmen. They're probably going to be in the tourism streets. Um, and so certainly some of those areas might see an economic uptick selling trinkets um, and some of the local restaurants, if they're accessible, uh, are probably also going to do fairly well. Um, but that's that actually comes with, with a caveat in that most of these people getting off the cruise ship have food included in their fare. So, you know, they might have eaten breakfast right before they got off or maybe they're going to get back on the boat to eat lunch or dinner. So you won't see people often spending a big sum of money on food. Um, because they've already paid for their food. Now, we personally love to eat local food, so every chance we get, whether it's a food cart or a restaurant, we normally always look at what's going to be the recommended local cuisine or snacks or things to try. But you'll find you'll meet a lot of people who kind of avoid the local food at, at all, all costs, and to each their own. We used to be a little put off by um, travelers that didn't want to experience local cuisine, uh, because for us, it's a way to kind of relate to the culture and, and try new things in the, and, and interact with people. Um, but, you know, everybody's got their own comfort zone. And for some people, leaving the state or the city or getting on the ocean uh, is a stretch as it is. And, and, you know, for all of us, 
it all probably was at one point. So we've tried to be much more open-minded about the idea that everybody's got their own idea of vacation. And really, at the end of the day, you're there to relax. And um, you're expanding your mental horizons just by being out and about with other people and, and seeing new things, no matter what that looks like to you. So it, it is probably a small help to the local economy. I mean, I, I would definitely say that it is. But uh, on the flip side, some of these people are also that live there. You're going to get complaints that, you know, you, you kind of can't afford to be in your own town during the summer season. Um, you know, some of those popular restaurants that probably have the best views along the water, um, I'm sure, have tourism pricing um, and are very crowded. The plus side is when the cruise ships leave, so do all the people. Um, you know, so that town is probably reclaimed in the evenings, uh, and everybody can go out to dinner. Now, with all these new boats, you know, in limited spaces, people want new markets, or at least the cruise lines do. So Asia was expected to kind of be the next big boon for cruise industry growth. And the region built a ship called the Joy, which was custom designed for the Chinese market with sailings throughout Asia. And it's a beautiful boat. Uh, go-karts on the top, which, you know, love or hate. They are electric, by the way, in case anybody's uh, thinking about all this, you know, plume of smoke coming off of all these little cars and the loud noise. They, they have fake noise to make you feel like you're driving um, or that you're driving an engine-based <laughs> vehicle anyway. And that, that wasn't a big success. While initial reaction was positive, it ended up being a fairly soft market as far as reservations. And so you've got a boat that was really custom built with different styles of casinos and restaurants and pictures and themings uh, that just didn't have the success that they were hoping. Now, I commend them for trying. You know, if you're going to do something, you know, swing for the fences. And obviously they had uh, smaller boats over there before and they were doing well enough that they thought a custom made vessel would kind of improve upon what they had. Uh, but that, that hasn't been the case, and, and it's definitely a region of the world that has been having a lot of disposable income, so it made a lot of sense to go after it. The Norwegian Joy is now being repositioned uh, to be based on the west coast of the United States most of the year, um, where, and it's going through a multi-million dollar rehab to kind of remove some of those customizations for the Chinese market. And one of their smaller vessels will now be heading to Asia. So it's not like they've abandoned the Chinese market. They've just kind of resized to fit the demand. But yet, all these boats are on order. So where are they going to go? Well, probably a lot more of what you've already seen. Mar Caribbean, Mar Bahamas, Mar Mediterranean. The demand for those areas is huge. Alaska. The problem is there's just not enough room. And you're starting to see a lot of rebelling uh, in some of these really popular towns and not just from cruise ships to be clear that can be from flights or trains or however they're getting there but some of these towns that, that have a lot of charm they start to lose that charm the same thing that you fall in love with in the brochure uh, when you see that smiling couple or family or backpacker uh, you know staring out into the sunset or you know whatever the picturesque view is well, now picture 3,000 plus other people, you know, in that same picture, and it, it doesn't have quite the same charm that, that it did in the brochure. And that's the problem that some of these things are facing, is that people who love their little town are seeing it change and be overrun by people. And, you know, it's not right or wrong. It is, it's the way things are changing as the world becomes a smaller place, more accessible, more people are able to get to these things. Uh, but you know you gotta you, you've gotta find some happy mix, and so I, personally, I'm all on board with the idea of some of these towns 
limiting the amount of people that can come in per day. Um, I think it's smart. I think it, re- it, it preserves the, the, ch- the charm that the town had, which is why you wanted to go in the first place. It protects the locals from kind of getting run out of their own town during the day. Um, and I think it makes for a happy mix. It might certainly increase the cost of going there. It might limit the amount of flights or boats or trains that, that, that can stop there. But I think you've got to find a happy medium or you're going to lose it altogether anyway. And then no one's going to want to go. And if you've ever been to Venice during the summer, you know, a hot day in July or August, you'll know what I'm saying. You, you, if you've been there before when it's not crowded and you go when it is hot and crowded, you'll think, why am I here? It's, it's certainly if it's the only time you can go, you know, don't, don't not go. But uh, it is a very different experience when you're not just surrounded by people. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the charms of these locations really do get lost. With that said, we love cruising. So we tend to, when we stop at a, at a um, port that is kind of more trinket intensive, for lack of better words, or maybe we've been there, um, more often case we, we will get off, but we'll kind of just go explore locally just to stretch our legs, so to speak. Said We do love to eat local fare, so we, we try to get off and do something um, that we haven't done, if, if that's the case. But in some, some places you've just been so many times that, you know, you, you, you do see it as an opportunity to say, look, I'm, I'm enjoying the boat and the line on that water side is always an hour deep and now I can get on in 10 minutes. Um, and obviously that's one of the upsides of, of cruising more frequently is that your perspective kind of changes to being run, 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 see everything you can see and a little bit mix of let's enjoy the boat and what we can see. Um, and, you know, for our, our attitude on cruising has definitely grown as, as we've taken more. Uh, you know, it's evolved in that we, we, we do do more of a mix. I, I personally love sea days. While when we first cruise, you know, I just wanted to get off and see new things. It's also nice to kind of say, I'm just going to enjoy the boat. <laughs> and, and, you know, these are the guilty pleasures of, you know, actually feeling like we're traveling and, and riding, but also on a little bit of a vacation. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice mix of, of both. So with all these new boats uh, and, and rooms available, what will that impact on cruise ship pricing? And I think that you're going to see probably some similarities to what you've seen in places like Las Vegas, where you've had way more rooms than anybody could possibly ever fill. Um, you're probably going to get a bit of an artificial floor or maybe a floor that's defined by uh, no loss leader. And I think most people try to hold that as long as they can, because you know, they don't want to create these fire sale moments where people then end up just waiting for it to be, you know, $100 for a week. Um, and granted, I've never seen that, but I have, you, we have seen cruise fares as low as $200, $300 for a week. So, you know, when people are, are too much inventory, too much supply, you know, the, the basic financials of it is they need to fill some of these rooms. Sometimes it, not at any cost necessary, but keep in mind that your cruise fare is really uh, really only the tip of the iceberg with what you're going to end up paying. And we'll go into that more on a future podcast on what's the real costs. But rem- rem- remind yourself that you're easily on a week-long cruise for a couple, probably going to be spending 1000 to $2,000 more before the cruise is all said and done. Um, 
and and certainly if you're on a on a tight budget or rather you're on a self-imposed budget and you can stick to it uh, i commend you because it's hard with the between the arts and craft sessions the bingo sessions the upsell restaurants sometimes upsell stage productions um the, the daily tipping that's added you know you can end up easily with hundreds of dollars of extra going in thinking that you were already uh you know kind of whole before you got on and tips Tips are a big part of that. You're going to get, you know, twelve to fourteen dollars a day in change per person that you need to pay. So it, it can add up rather quickly. And to clarify, I never thought I'd be saying I'd be spending money on bingo or arts and crafts, and yet I feel like I'm in a retirement center when I'm on a cruise ship in a good way. Uh, it just feels like you can kind of relax and do the things you never thought you'd want to do, or you never thought you had the time to do. Um, I recommend you try some of these activities, as, as silly as they might sound to you. Maybe they sound exciting, um, you know. But as silly as they they are, I do recommend you try some of the things you see in your your daily cruise planners um, that maybe are outside your normal routine, uh, and you might find you like them more than than you thought. That's certainly what happened with me. You know, we met other people on the cruise who said, "Why don't you come and join us for bingo?" And I thought, really. And then next thing you know, you realize, well, I really like bingo. <laughs> Brings back memories, I guess, of being as a kid. But um, also, you realize it's just it's just a fun it's a fun game, which is um, why well, I guess you think of it as a retirement activity. Uh, so enjoy your mini retirement while you're on the cruise, and until you get your final bingo bill. Um, but maybe you won. Uh, you know, certainly people do do uh, win. We seem to always win at least once or twice, uh, which at least pays normally for the bingo. Uh, We've never won uh, a free cruise or any of the bigger items, but uh, one of these days. So I think we'll wrap up here, but the next episode, we're really going to talk about cruise pricing in more detail and more specifically cruise sales, because if you've registered for any of the cruise lines and you're going to go to their website, you're going to get a pop-up. It's going to tell you to, you know, don't miss any of our ongoing promotions, get special pricing, your typical website enticement of giving your email. Uh, You're then going to see you probably get an email once or twice a week with biggest sale ever last the next three days. And we'll dive into that in more detail and talk about is, are you really getting a good deal? Um, And is it, um, you know, is it worth jumping on these things or is there some other things you you can look for? So until next time, uh, make sure you hit subscribe if you want to learn more about our future thoughts on cruising and our next episode to do with cruise pricing. Uh, you can reach us at podcast at wildcruising.com uh, to talk more about uh, what you want to hear about, and we'll be happy to address any questions you come up with. Be well.